welcome to the Infinity Bros podcast, the only podcast that is perfectly balanced as all things should be. I am your host, Max Mosier, back here again with you today to review episodes three and four of Moon Knight, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for making us part of your podcast experience today. I'm here with one other Infinity Bro. It's the only other Infinity Bro that needs to be on a Moon Knight episode. It's Infinity Bro, Jared, Jared, Hari. I'm doing fantastic. I, I'm living my best life. There's Moon Knight skins in the Fortnite store, which is a sentence I never thought I'd have to say out loud. Um, this series is absolutely destroying everything, and it's fantastic. Brother, I'm living my best life right now. I have a cold, so I sound like crap, but man, do I feel good. Yeah, I mean, are, are you rocking the Mr. Knight, or are you rocking the classic Moon Knight with the cape look on Fortnite? Because you can buy it in the bundle right now. I, I might catch a lot of heat for saying this. I like the comic Mr. Knight a lot better than I like the TV show Mr. Knight. I'm not going to wear that skin in Fortnite. I hate mm-hmm. the weird seam on his face. I want him with the rolled up sleeves, right. a bloody baseball bat. Um, no, nah, I'm rocking the classic skin. You're not going to get that Mr. Knight in this series, it appears, the rest of the season. Yeah, maybe when we get Jake, which we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll talk about that. We got thoughts. Got to pay some bills real quick. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch. Check us out on all those platforms. We're streaming Mondays through Thursdays. Uh, you can check me out on Wednesdays. You can check out Jared on Tuesdays uh, and Robbie on Monday nights. Uh, Isaac is doing Thrifty Thursdays on Thursday mornings, or as I like to call it, Thirsty Thursdays for some reason. It's a thirst trap. Every time he streams, it's a thirst trap. And I think you're forgetting a very special uh, Infinity Bro who's starting to stream this week, Friday. Is that happening like next week? That's happening tomorrow as of recording this. So we're recording April 21st. So unless this is a 20-day-old April April Fool's joke, Zane has committed to streaming. The man, the myth, the legend himself, the enigma of the Infinity Bros. I mean, Zane is like the quirkiness of Jim Carrey's Riddler and the social awkwardness of Paul Dano's Riddler all warped into one. And that person's going to be streaming for you. What are the what are the odds it's just like one of those dating sims and he just does that for like four weeks? I mean, maybe he just swipes right the whole time. Maybe he just streams on a on a dating platform. I would I would love to backseat. I'd I'd tune in. I'd I'd subscribe to that. Yeah. I'd check it out. And you can review our podcast on iTunes and Podchaser. Found something interesting out when I was checking out Podchaser today. No new reviews. You guys don't like us, so it's fine. But um, when we were setting up our Podchaser site, Isaac must have set it up because the way it describes us is the Infinity Bros podcast, a weekly TV and film and video game podcast. Great. Love that. Featuring Isaac Edlund. <laughs> so he's credited as a host for 26 episodes. Not as a host, as the host. No, I, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. The host. Like he's the top dog. <laughs> as if the people don't know who's the real host of this show. I'm here. I'm right here, right? So thanks for listening to us, checking us out. We're excited to review this episode. Uh, this might be your first time listening to us. And so we're going to be rating specific things about the show today on episodes three and four. Might rate some characters, might rate scenarios or um, previous comic arcs that we've read. So we're going to go ahead and put the bumper for how we rate things right here. Here on the Infinity Bros podcast, everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale. Zero meaning horrible and six meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a six, it gets an Infinity Step. Additionally, we want to make sure that you know we're going to completely spoil this show. Uh, Episodes one through four. We're going to review three and four today. So if you have not watched most recently episode four, which just premiered two days ago, uh, you're going to want to go ahead and pause. Go watch that. You already listened to us too late, so we're we're getting your listen. But you need to come back and check us out because you're not going to want to miss what Jarrett and I have to say. More so Jarrett than me. But this is your spoiler warning. This is... Prepare yourself. An Infinity Bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. Warning. Episode four was titled The Tomb. Episode three was titled The Friendly Type. Uh, Friendly Type was uh, directed by Mohamed Diab, and The Tomb was directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Jerry, where you uh, tell our audience where you're at with the rating of this show coming into episode three. So, like, how are one and two for you? One was some of the best like introduction material that we've gotten, not just in the MCU and Disney Plus, but like in general. I think it started off incredibly strong. 
Um, episode two sort of fumbled the ball a little bit. I'm not going to lie. We talked about that at length, and so I'm not going to go into it too much. Yep, you can uh, check that episode out. Yep, It's worth listening to just to see like sort of the valleys as opposed to the mountaintop. Uh, coming into this, I was a little nervous. I was sitting at like a four or five out of six. Um, the beginning was carrying it so much for me that I kind of overlooked the things I didn't like about the second episode. Um, and I think they left so much open and on the table that I didn't really know which way they were going to go. We had theories and we've been talking about theories since the beginning, but I think there was enough left open that I was like, this could either go WandaVision or, um, this could go like Loki. And thankfully, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, in my opinion, it went more like Loki than WandaVision. Yeah, I mean, for me, episode two. So I was not on the episode where you guys reviewed it with with Isaac and Zane. Uh, you also talked about Halo and that. So I, I do recommend go check it out if you're listening. I, I really did not like the Mister Knight reveal either, Jarrett. Uh, I obviously don't have the context you have of reading the comic books and having a familiarity with this character, but I did have the wherewithal to understand that Stephen Grant is a giant prick. <laughs> And I, I just, uh, Stephen Grant has grown, and we'll talk about this in the three and four, but Stephen Grant in episode two was the most annoying character probably in this, in the history of the MCU in terms of uh, protagonists we've had. Like I, I could not find a person who I was cheering for less. So that really set it behind because even the concept of him mocking the jackal that he was fighting just felt so weird to me. And it was a choice. That's all I'll say. It was an interesting choice. And I didn't really support it. But I also know that with this show, it's got some legs to carry some things and can zag very quickly in the context of what's real and what's not with Mark Spector. So uh, that's where I sat after episode two as well. Um, Let's talk about episode three. And this is a very fascinating episode. So it's titled The Friendly Type. And we really get to see... Um, more of Mark Spector than we ever have before. And obviously we're following Harrow and his disciples, and I'm calling them disciples. Maybe you call them followers. Um, sure, either they're way. searching for the tomb in the desert. And we get this great, I thought it was great. Some people were kind of mocking it. I thought I saw on the internet, but I really liked these chase scenes with Mark and who I want you to talk about who you think the other person is when he blacks out. But I really liked these scenes and I thought it really set him up well while also setting up, hey, the danger of what this mercenary of a character can do. We saw him blackout. Obviously, everybody and their mom thinks it's Jake Lockley. Can you tell us more about this character and why for you, you think it's him or maybe you don't think it's him? Yeah, we again, it's worth going back and checking out our old episodes. I sort of explained the uh, trinity that is Mark Spector's fractured identities. Um And I warned you guys then, like, you guys aren't prepared for what Jake Lockley brings to the table. He is brutal in every sense of the word. If you Mm want to make that comparison that people often make of Moon Knight is just Marvel's Batman, Jake Lockley is everything that disproves that, right? Like, this is a dude Mm. who will go to every extreme to stop the threat. And so when they have this conflicting scene of like, oh, my gosh, Mark, what did you do? And Steve's freaking out. Um that has to be Jake, man. Like the blood on his hands and the ruthless nature of this, this is Jake Lockley, right? He's the one who's willing to do what needs to be done uh, when it needs to be done. And he has the stomach for it. Um, Is there a way they can butcher this character, Jarrett? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not going to say that Stephen Grant was butchered because I think they redeemed him sort of a little bit going down the line, but if they would have continued with episodes to Stevie Grant, um, that would have tore apart the character for me. I I still don't think he's on par with the comic books, but um, they redeemed that. They could absolutely mess up Jake Lockley. I think it's pretty easy, and I think we've seen that with Disney Plus shows before where they build up to something that we've been anticipating, and then the delivery is so much flatter than we expected. Right. It's possible. Let's talk about this meeting of the Egyptian gods here. I did not see this coming in the slightest. Like, I thought if we were going to see something like this, this is going to happen in episode five. Um, And we kind of get this, I think, earlier than we expect. We meet all these avatars, and Harrow successfully denies the accusation. So let's pause here. 
This episode, and we're going to rate this episode here in a couple minutes after we review it. This episode for me is losing significant points just for this scene alone for a couple reasons. One, either Harrow is working with all these other Egyptian gods, or these are the dumbest gods in the history of gods for like totally not accusing him of this. And I understand the context of Mark Spector being this, you know, dissociative personality guy. But how on earth, Jared, do you as a viewer watching this walk away from this and give any credibility to these gods that they know what they're doing? Like Kanchu either gains a ton of credibility here or it's literally Kanchu versus all of them. Like what are your thoughts on this? Because that's where I stood on that watching it. I had zero clue how Harrow just got out like Scott Free like that. Yeah, so it's um, – this is sort of the character of Kanchu. We – we focus a lot on Mark and his goals and Steven's goals and, and even Layla's goals to some point. And it's barely touched on what Kanchu wants. Kanchu is the only one of the gods who's sort of concerned with the ongoings of these mortal beings. Everybody else has completely like flown off to this other dimension. They could care less. And to me, this isn't like, I don't see the Egyptian gods in this as being dumb. The Ennead isn't like, to me, they're not dumb. They just don't care, right? Like it's not their fight. They don't, they're living in what is essentially paradise. And even their avatars, they're only loosely connected. So, to them. so the parallel for you with this is really this elitist class of individuals who have so much that it's, it's not even a drop in the bucket for them. And that's why they're letting Harrow off scot-free so easily. So Kanchu, among other things, is the god of nighttime travelers, right? So he takes his job very seriously. And of all the gods, he's the one who stays back to be involved because he cares about the lives of these mortal men and women. And so I think that's the thing that's they, – they touch on it so lightly, but it's important to all of this and why Harrow is able to get away with what he gets away with because they're not watching. They don't care. These affairs are below them. In fact, they entrust their avatars to do this, which is why like Kanchu's offense was so great is because we don't do that anymore, right? We work through these mortals and they do our bidding for us. Why would we care? We're gods. I will say this. This show is crushing the Arthur Harrow is a bad guy arc. It did the heavy lifting earlier in the show, which I appreciated in the context of compared to other of these shows we've gotten with Disney Plus that are Marvel shows. So I think Harrow has been able to, in episode four, for example, take a little more of a backseat and just be for one scene. Right. And Ethan Hawke's presence is so powerful just as an actor that this lends itself to that. I just have a, still a difficult time with these Egyptians. Like I'm, I'm – and we can talk about this right now too, Jared. I, I'm really pulling for Gore to show up at the end of this and kill them. Like that's how frustrated I am with them. I'm just like – it would be great if they all got wiped off the board except for Kanchu. From a story standpoint, like I would absolutely love that. I think there's a lot of cool things that you could do with that. Notably, and we'll just touch on this very quickly. Um, in the scene where the Ennead is meeting and the council is all there, did you notice that Bast, a statue of Bast is present? Oh, yeah. And Bast would be from from Black Panther, right? So yeah. I, I think if it's not happening in the next movie – I would imagine that Marvel is setting the table for some story arc with gods. And I think that's a huge reason they kept Thor around after Endgame. They do have so much going on with like, there's sort of the metaphysical, like multiverse stuff that they're doing. Obviously they're messing with time, but I think at some point it's going to have to deal with these deities and like, whether it's right away with Gore when we see love and thunder, or if they're building up to something, right. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it just feels like this is a direction they're intentionally going. And um, also in episode three, cool Easter egg we saw was uh, that on the jacket of one of the people he's fighting, it is a reference to Ramatat. So in theory, we could be getting a Kang connection here, which it feels like all these shows have some type of Kang sprinkling in it. It feels like Marvel's kind of kind of messing with us, you and I, on that. So we get some great character development here with Layla and Spectre, which I thought was great. Now, here's another point that was made. Mark Spector's walking around in a baseball cap in a couple scenes here. There are theories that this is Jake Lockley and the audience just doesn't know that. So, for example, he engages Layla in the street and he goes, what are you doing here? But he says it with a little more aggression and almost a New York accent. Are you buying 
the theory that that could be Jake Lockley? Or do you think we have yet to meet this character? I think we've seen him. And I think it's not obvious when we've seen him or how we've seen him. And I think that's something that's revealed in whatever comes in the next episode. Because it feels like they're building up to this. And it would be, again, I'm ready to be disappointed because of WandaVision. But it would be fantastic if they're like, no, you've seen him. Like, he's been there the whole journey. You just haven't noticed it. Yeah, it would be cool if we could get some shades there. I, I mean, so we get Anton Mogart, but Midnight Man. But this just, it, it feels really hollow with this char- with this actor dying, Jared. I mean, like, it, it really felt like, it feels like when they recorded this show, they had maybe some bigger plans for this character. And the scene we get where he's, you know, helping lead them to this MacGuffin that helps them get to their next phase. They have this big fight, which I think was a great fight scene. It just felt very hollow to me. Yeah. And and then he just kind of rides off into the smoke. And I think it's, that was, and it just felt like that was setting up something bigger. And then we got kind of, and it, I wouldn't even call it okie doked. I think astute Marvel fans will know he's passed and there's nothing more you can really do with that character past that. But talk to our audience about the significance of Midnight Man and why losing this character is so detrimental to the the arc of, of uh, Moon Knight. So it's it's hard because there's a lot of heroes who are sort of defined by their rogues galleries. Um, like Spider-Man is a big one. Batman's a big one. The, the villains are almost as iconic as the characters themselves. And Moon Knight doesn't really have that. I mean, he has uh, Raul Bushman and a few others, but really like his rogues gallery is not that memorable. And I hate to put it that way, but it is true. Uh, Midnight Man is a very early appearance. I think like, shoot, probably like issue four of his original run or whatever it was. But he was such an interesting character that people have tried to riff on him uh, in like all sorts of Moon Knight properties. Sure. And he's one of my favorite villains of all of Moon Knight's rogues gallery. Wow. Okay. Wow. I was so excited for this. And like, you're exactly right. Like it's heartbreaking to see that they clearly had more plan than this. Like there was they no totally, it's, was- it's like, it's so prevalent in how it's written. Like he had a relationship with Layla. So clearly they were going to play into that. Um, he, he just looked menacing even on the screen. Like the actor just looked like he kind of had some, some chops. And for us just to only get like really one kind of head on collision with him and Mark Spector, who's Moon Knight, and it's a great showcase of Moon Knight's skill set. I think that's the one thing Mogart's family can hang their hat on with this scene is this is probably Moon Knight's biggest climactic fight. Right. Because he doesn't really get much in episode four. So I, it's just a huge bummer. That's all I can really say. There's no, like there's no really I can't even really like um, criticize the scene, I think, with his yeah. passing. I think it doesn't lend itself to do that. And I think uh, it's going to be fascinating down the line to find out what the plans were with him because it's, I mean, they, they had moon Knight, a midnight man, excuse me, written in the IMDB and on online for him. So like there was a plan to at least unveil that. And so that's just a huge bummer. Um, finally we get pretty much the biggest scene of episode three, which is they go to the desert. Uh, they fight off all these men. We talked about that, but they assemble their sarcophagus fragments into a star map. Stevie does this. So you and I have talked about Stevie as a character. He's starting to show some worth here. And I'll talk about this on episode four. I'm just going to make the statement and you can add on to it if you'd like. Stevie is way smarter than he appeared in episode one. And I think that's a, I, I, I got to criticize the show again. I think that's a problem. It feels like we're going a little away from what we sh- were shown in episode one. In episode one, they showed me he was smart, air quotes. But his lack of confidence was significant. Now you're telling me he's getting into these settings and all of a sudden he's Indiana Jones. I'd like him to be a little more clumsy if this is the direction they're going. Now, my my gut tells me some other things, and we'll talk about that with prediction, predictions, excuse me. Do you have comments on that? I just I feel like it's not equating from episode one so far. It, it was a bit, and I would say even more so episode two, right? Like he was a a sort of like slapstick almost Ace Ventura type character in episode two. And they, they hard pivot. And I like this version of Steve that we have currently um, a little more than I like the one in episode two. That's the point I'm saying this, this Steve, this is a Steve I could have rallied behind. Yeah. 
Um, and I agree, but the like you said, the the change was so drastic that it almost feels like an unintentional fourth personality. Like, oh no, this is confident Steve. Like he can do the things Steve wishes he could do. It's tough. And it's, it's a little bit of a nitpick, but it's jarring. We get the big scene where they change, they figure out we got to change the stars. So Kanchu literally turns back the star to stars 2000 years. Um, and then they, they imprison him. And then, uh, you know, Mark, I, I'm glancing over this cause I think episode sure, sure, four sure. is a little bigger. Forgive me audience. It's been a week since we watched it, but this is a big scene in the context of the stars. I want to focus on the stars versus Kanchu getting put away and Mark losing his powers. Yeah. <laughs> there is no way Dr. Strange cannot reference this. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, like there is just no way that multiverse of madness cannot reference this. I think like I I'm trying to wrap my head around like Marvel's running into a huge problem here now because like if they do not address this in any other property or don't have a bulletin of like what the heck happened to the stars in Cairo. I mean, like between that and Eternals, like yeah. nobody's referenced what's happened in Eternals. Well, and that's the thing too, is we're still, we're still so iffy on the timeline, but like, you got to think that whether this happens before or after Thanos, people are paying attention to this stuff and the stars don't just move around you without people noticing, Agreed. right? Like you don't drop a celestial into the ocean and be like, we're not going to talk about this. Well, and they totally, they essentially in the episode showed other people seeing it. Cause to me, when I saw it for first, I was like, oh, well they're just, it's just happening in Mark's head. It's a localized. Like, yeah. Conchu's doing it, but it's only those two that are able to see it. But then they showed Layla and all these other people seeing it probably because they had to convey somehow that to um, the main villain that this was happening and, and the Egyptian gods, but Marvel's running into another problem here. You're right. The timeline is so fuzzy. They're just kind of playing like, eh, it's the, it could be then it could be now. It's like, dude, what's going on here? Like uh, what's our game plan here? And, and even you and I talked about this in episode one and it got debunked later um, based on some timeline things. <clears throat> but we said maybe it happened before, Endgame. There's no way that happened now. There's no way because they would have referenced it. Yeah, it's so bizarre to me that either none of this that is happening with the gods and everything going on in Moon Knight is referenced anywhere else, and they don't talk about Thanos at all during the show. And it's like somebody's dropping the ball here because these are these are universe changing events, and nobody's talking about it. Wow. Yeah, it's either this show is completely separate from the MCU and there's a chance with multiverse of madness. That's the direction they're going. Could be something completely. Different. It would be a very unique way to do it. Yeah. I will say to, to sort of its credit as well, though, like in spite of the, the weird plot hole stuff, this scene was gorgeous. Like it hundred percent. I'm not challenging the scene layout. What I'm challenging here is, you cannot make a drastic writing choice like this with as as like Kevin Feige and not have some intended consequences of other things. And I'm kind of attacking Eternals with that too. Yeah. I'm not just attacking this. I'm attacking Eternals. I think even WandaVision, like <laughs> I am and they're getting coy in the in the Doctor Strange trailer. Like, yeah. oh, I don't want to talk about what happened in Westview. Why? Can you tell me why, Doctor Strange? Why you don't want to talk about that? Like, and and I hope over over time he's going to care about those things. I'm getting into the weeds. I'm just making the point to our audience that if Moon Knight's connected, this is a huge error that either they have to address or my expectation my expectation is the next property is going to say something about it. Yeah, I would hope so. And I, I just it was such a weird choice. There's other ways to do what they needed to do without messing with the universe. This scene really cemented something for me, which is like, I love Conchu's character. I also love whoever's doing the voice acting. Like his monologue about like, how, yeah, I remember that night. I remember every Abraham night. Abraham is crushing it. As oh my yeah. gosh. It's so good. Yeah, I'm with you. It, so let's rate episode three real quick before we transition to episode four. I, I'm, I'm going to give it a, a, a three and a half out of six. Oh, I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to get a little lost down here, Jarrett. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna talk about this a little more in episode four. I think episode four is getting a lot more love than I think people 
should be oh, giving it right now. We're going to have a spicy conversation here in a minute. Sure. Well, and here's here's kind of my big Mar- I'm going to be real with you, Jarrett. I'm seeing the Marvel TV formula happen right in front of my eyes. Sure. We lost the power in episode 3. Mm-hmm. We lost the shield in episode 3. Uh, oh, or, okay. I mean like oh, it, Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, seeing, I'm with you. I'm seeing the beats here. I'm seeing the beats. We're losing the power episode 4. We have a huge pivot. Um so in WandaVision, uh, Wanda kicks out uh, Rambo, um, mm. um, Captain, uh, new Captain America, bad Captain America, kills somebody with the shield. Right. Um, it's the episode where in um, Hawkeye, where uh, uh, Black Widow's sister is is introduced. Right. There's these huge zags to zigs, right? Sure. And we'll talk more about episode four and that outline. I'm just saying to you right now, we're, we're back in the Marvel formula. Now, the big difference with Moon Knight, the two big differences it has going for it, is Oscar Isaac's an absolute butt kicker right now. <laughs> he is yeah. moving this show. Like, he is the, it feels like he's alone acting at times. And he, but he is playing multiple individuals and he's doing it very seamlessly. And Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is by far the best villain of all these shows so far, by a mile. Um, and I would challenge, he's probably one of the best villains I've seen in a Marvel property dating back to Thanos and of course the Spider-Man shows, but I, I think the Spider-Man movies are different because those were old villains. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to challenge that. So I, I just, I'm seeing these tensions and the formula with three and four pop up again. And it just, it's noted for me in talking about this. So let's talk about episode th- four. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me, can I get your rating of episode three before I go to episode four? Yeah, I'm going to say five and a half. I enjoyed it more for like the story beats and some of the Easter eggs that I enjoy as a Moon Knight fan from the comics. Um, this is like a kid in a candy store for me, especially with Mogart. Like, yeah, I enjoyed this pretty. pretty I'm just cool. having an issue with like, I, I have an issue with the two, like with the change of the stars. Sure. And the Egyptian scene. Like this just, I like, understand the criticism. These fully. are, these are two universe changing things happening and we are glancing over them and it shouldn't require you explaining to me, which was a great explanation by the way of the Egyptian gods, not caring that should not have to happen. I should just be able to understand that when watching the show. Yeah. And also I don't understand why moving the stars had to happen to get to where they needed to go. There's other ways to write that in without messing with the universe. You can get rid of Khonshu in other ways. Yeah, I think I think they had to make the stakes as big as possible. Like, what is the offense so great that would warrant his like permanent, you know, imprisonment? I mean, it could be putting his soul or putting his essence into somebody with mental dis- dissonance issues. I think that sure. I think they could have made that happen in that judge scene. I think it was there for them. I think they just went for broke. They gotta go big, baby. <laughs> you gotta yeah. go big, and it's like I actually you don't. You can, and I think episode four proves that in some scenes in some ways too. So let's talk about episode four. Um, This show for good or bad is going places. I'll give it credit. So Grant and Layla find a deserted campsite uh, at Amit's tomb. It's a maze in the shape of the eye of Horus, which I thought was a really cool detail here. Um, And obviously this discovers some of Haro's men have been killed by the undead Egyptian priest who attacks them. Pause. Marvel is going more horror, Jared. Oh my gosh, yes. They're doing it. And I think this is the first step. And I think think Multiverse of Madness is going to go there. And I think a real authentic Midnight Suns and Werewolf by by Night is actually in in our future. I think this is real stuff. This was haunting, Jared. This was really bad. So for context, before I let you talk, I I just finished when I had COVID, I had to do something. So I watched all, I rewatched Stranger Things, season one through three. Lots of horror stuff. And there's some sketchy, scary stuff. This was scarier than all of that. All of it. And I, I think this was some awesome, awesome. And I, it, I, I think it appeared um, just basic effects. Like, I think it was just makeup. Yeah. It was practical effects. For it sure. was practical effects. Excuse me. I, I think they did a tremendous job. What were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah. So, like, the moment in which it kind of hard pivots you know, when he drags that body onto the embalming table and starts cutting out organs. Um, I was watching this at work during one of my breaks and I, I had to like turn down the volume because you could hear him like cutting out organs. And I think I messaged you guys even and I was like, 
Disney Plus just threw their family friendly rating like out the window, man. Like, no doubt, was, right? It was jarring, um, and and even like they take it a step further when um, Layla has her like epic battle with this thing, and it's like trying to impale her with its bloody stump, and I'm like, this is not what like when I we talked about this, I was like, there's no way they're going to do it rated R. I don't think they'll ever come close. They're going to use kids kid gloves with this. This is the one like area that has proved me wrong. Um, I would no, say they also do the, it. They they got to do it next episode when it appears that they're at least I would I would assume storytelling wise. Yeah. Next episode is going to be the Mark Spector backstory. Yeah. We have to get that before episode six. So I would assume that's next episode. In that episode, we have to see him kill people really, really badly mm-hmm. to get what you're talking about. Sure. And it has to you be can Jake, get away with the PG thirteen rating right now and do the Stranger Things bit, and you can just pull kids in the shadows. That's what they're doing right now with this. But I agree, like the 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 implications of what they're saying. They're saying, "Hey, we're gonna do it this way," and that's yeah. there, there's some horror elements to it. I this was great. This this is the thing about this episode. This is a big swing episode. They talked about it going into the show, and I see what they're talking about. This is a full across the board big swing episode. Yeah. They're trying things for sure. <laughs> they are. They're trying things. It's, it, we'll talk about that more. <laughs> so uh, Layla defeats the priest, but then encounters Harrow. This was a great scene, by the way. Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac are six out of six so far through this series. All four episodes. Six out of six. Absolutely. Ethan Hawke has masterfully, and he's talked about this, he has built a perfect foil to Mark Spector. It is a constantly... Very flat character. He never gets too high or low. Love that. He is com- he is completely in control even when he's not. And he knows more than you do all the time. I love Ethan Hawke's portrayal. And I, I, I am I tip my hat to him. He is just absolutely butt-kicking right now. Um, we're treading close, Jared, to like understanding his thoughts. Like I'm starting to get it. I, I, I'm with you. Like I'm kind of shocked he hasn't brought up Thanos. Like you think a guy like that would really be invested in Thanos and who Thanos is and what Thanos was thinking. Like it would be cool if like even in the next episode or like if he does get what he can with Amit, um, it would be cool for him to go like, honestly, Thanos couldn't complete this. I'm going to finish it now. Yeah. Uh, it would and be I cool to see him say something like that or her. She could say that too. Just to talk about Harrow for a second and Nathan Hawke's portrayal. Um, have you ever seen the movie seven? It's where you get the famous. Yes. What's the yes. Po- okay. Kevin Spacey's character in that, that is the vibes I get from Harold. 100%. 100%. This dude is mastermind. He knows everything and he is emotion. He is cold. I love it. He, he's doing fantastic. That's a perfect parallel. So Grant Inspector find the two. So great conversation with her and Layla. Harold reveals that, hey, your dad was killed by the mercenaries that Spectre was with. Did you foresee this coming? Did you think this was a great storytelling moment? How are you feeling about that? If you if you've ever read a Moon Knight comic, this like you could see this a mile off. Um, the the mercenary that he brings to like the site where her father is that gets murdered is Raoul Bushman. Um, obviously, I think they have to tread very lightly with how or if they introduce him to the MCU. Um, I saw this coming. I thought it was interesting the way that they handled it because this yeah, could have I thought been it was a good way to say right it. Away. Yeah. It's obvious that she's connected past it because of how he acts towards her. But yeah, I, I agree. It was the way it was said was delivered perfectly. Ethan Hawkman, he's cold, just mm-hmm. stolen cold killer. Absolutely. Grant Inspector find the tomb and discover that Amit's last avatar was Alexander the Great, which I thought was a really cool. That was just like a unique way to tell that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And they retrieved the Ush, Ush, is it Ushapti? Ushapti? Yeah, Ushapti. Thank you. From inside Alexander's body. And so then we get the confrontation from Layla Inspector, uh, who we have this conversation about Khonshu. And then this was the biggest like pivot before we get to the big scene at the end when um, Stevie tells her Khonshu wants to take over her body. Right. She did not have a strong reaction, Jarrett. No. She has got to be wanting Amit to take over her body, right? Like this is, she's going to betray him. This is going to happen. I think you called this from the beginning, but I think you identified the wrong character. 
So we talked about, I think in that first episode, I talked about how odd it was. I thought it was the mom because of the, you know, later skaters stuff. Um, But again, when he answers the phone call from Layla, it's a crocodile on the phone. Like the screensaver is a crocodile. And so I should, I should have known it then, but I didn't. Um, Yeah. Like her reaction was so flat to this. Like, Obviously yeah. she had a big reaction to, to finding out about her dad. And then he's like, no, you know, he did this for this reason. And I think when she says like, the only reason we're together is because of my father. Um, I think there's more to it than that. Right. I think she was led to Mark, not the other way around. We think that Mark was led to her because of her guilty, his guilty conscience. I think she was led to him because of something else. Yeah. She wants revenge. I think. And I think she wants to use an Egyptian to do a God to do it. What was done to her. And it's going to be fascinating if, if that's the Marvel. And this is why I get into, this is the Marvel formula. I think we're going to get that revelation next episode. And I think it's going to be, Oh, we got two villains. We thought it was Harrow, but really the bad guy. And then it's going to be Harrow and his posse get killed right away. And then it's her versus him. I think that's where we're going right here. And I hope I'm wrong. Um, but I think that, that just, it feels like a layup right now after finding this, her, if she had had a little stronger reaction, I would not, I would not subscribe to that, but her reaction was so flat. I, I was just so flat. And then, um, Harrow shoots Spectre and we get the Jarrett, you and I, we talked about this. <laughs> I knew it, showed, man. So are you a little frustrated that they showed the bingo card on social media? Like, yes, the day we knew. I think they, I think they spoiled this. I think their marketing team spoiled this a little bit for anybody that has any understanding of the history of a Moon Knight comic, which Jared is our residential encyclopedia of Moon Knight knowledge. I immediately said, they're totally going to a mental asylum. Like this is going to happen at the end of episode four. And then they did. And so we see every character we've run into is somebody in the mental asylum, but there are still Egyptian items and relics and specific items that we've seen or MacGuffins scattered throughout it so it's definitely still in uh how i would say a trippy dream maybe is how i'd put it sure and it's populated by people from his life he's drugged up when he wakes up and after his, and it's just mark specter he escapes and me- he meets harrow harrow has a dialogue with him as his psychiatrist he escapes harrow to find a room with a sarcophagus a sarcophagus in it excuse me and who's in it? Stevie Grant. They hug each other, Jared. I know. I've it's never so been more weird, moved dude. by a hug yeah. in my MCU life. Like, this is it. This is the bit. Yeah. Yeah. The tremendous. I think I really like this. Felt like the, this feels like an episode where Steve and Mark are in, are in now together. Yeah. Like, they're in long term now, I think. This is a unique way to, to mend that relationship without having to do a ton of legwork. Because they got to obviously lift Lockley in. Right. I'll let you get to your thoughts here in a moment, but a couple things that I'm just noticing from this scene. So I talked about this earlier in the episode, how I think I, I see the framework of the, the MCU formula. I think they're totally going Layla as the bad guy. They they hint at it again in this scene where Layla is like taking things and then running away. I think she's a thief and I think she's trying to steal Khonshu. I think that's the bit here. I think she's trying to steal the essence of Moon Knight for herself. I don't know what her ends are on that, whether it's revenge or take over the world or just be powerful, whatever it is. I think he's going to learn that. I think Harrow is using Amit's power to create this, whatever this is, to try to trick him into thinking he's nuts and psychopathic. You'll obviously have more of a perspective from the comic side of this than I will. And I think Lockley is a big piece of the puzzle. I think this is confirmation for season two. There's no way they can do Lockley in the next two episodes correctly and get everything they need to get done. I think I think we just got confirmation that it's season two. I think we're going to see Lockley present in some capacity in the last two episodes, but we're going to get a confirmation probably at the end of two weeks from now of Moon Knight will be back for season two. Or they will go to a Midnight Suns arc and then they'll explore that part of his character similar to how I think they did Daredevil with Defenders. So I think that's where this is going. I think Layla is clearly the villain. I think Harrow is just a placeholder for to, to get Mark off, off guard. Very similar to WandaVision <laughs> is the other part. And if that's the case, then I am going to make the statement, okay, Disney, you did it again. 
because he, or Sharon Carter. Um, just you have oh these people gosh, right yeah. in their corner, right? Like it's just like, okay, here we go, Disney Plus. We're at it again. I Moon Knight so far for me has been the best Disney Plus show. I agree. Even over Loki. I still I really speak I live Loki. I think this one might be it. If they can land the plane, they gotta land this plane right. Um now I think they do have the pieces on the board to do that right now. Lockley's a big piece of it. Obviously, what's what's Tauret have to play into all this? Because that's the character we see at the end here. And how do they defeat Amit? That's really my question. Like, if you have to convince me right now that this is a unique storytelling and it's not a rhythmic perspective. I've spoken at Nauseam about the about the the hospital because I have no comic insight. Jarrett, let's pass it to you. Tell us what the audience should have seen, what they should notice on a second viewing, and for you, what really stuck out about this whole scene. Yeah, um, so I did a TikTok about this with Straw Hat Goofy um, in response to something he talked about. He noticed that two of the characters were present. They were the ones who dragged Steve uh, to meet um, Harrow in the first place. These are major characters in the comic books, and like it's worth reading that and checking out their characters a little bit. I didn't mention this, but in the comic books, they kind of give me Cha-Cha and Hazel vibes from... Um, I got that vibe when you Umbrella said Academy. that the first time. Yeah, great parallel, yeah, from Umbrella Academy. I love this mainly because I love that run, uh, Lemire and, um, Oh, why am I blanking on the artist's name? Uh, Smallwood. Um, fantastic run. I, I, I did not guess that they were going to, no, I did guess that they were going to do this. I didn't think they would do it like this. And I'm kind of glad that they did. Uh, my only complaint, if anything, is I wish they would have convinced us more that this was all in Mark's head. That's I'm with you. Like, that's my big problem with this season. It's still a great season, but it felt like you really could have spent giving me the whole season to wonder. I wanted I wanted to be more convinced that like maybe he is crazy. Like show CCTV footage of like him fighting nothing in his suit as though like he's not really Moon Knight. This is video of him pretending to be Moon Knight, right? Like play it up a little bit more. Um, yeah, they- I completely agree. This is huge missed opportunity. And this is something that they could have done for a long-term thing. They could have done this in the future stuff. They could have kept this arc going in like a midnight sun's run. Towerette, talk about her. What's her significance? What do you think she brings to the table? Is she a good guy or a bad guy? So this is interesting because we don't really see, like this isn't a character I'm familiar with. This She doesn't exist in the comic books. The only parallel I think is like maybe she's supposed to represent Gina, who is one of my favorite Moon Knight characters, um, only because she's the only one we haven't really seen a reference to yet. Um, you know, we have uh, Frenchie, we have Crawley. The only piece we're missing is Gina, but it would be weird to make her a Egyptian goddess. Um, that being said, like they're kind of playing Calvin Ball with this anyways. Um, I do think that she's going to be helping him. There needs to be somebody that like, is the I believe you person other than Stevie and Mark just mm. holding each other. Somebody in the quote unquote mental asylum has to know the truth and be like, no, I, I fully subscribe to what you're talking about right now. Um, I do believe that if they go that route, um, she doesn't see herself as a hippo, right? Like she doesn't see herself. She doesn't see what Mark actually sees. She doesn't see sarcophaguses. She sees uh, mental asylum rooms, right? She doesn't, see past the veil so to speak who's who is showing this to him is this Amit? you think yeah i think i think it's his own like fractured psychosis is what allows him to see behind the the illusion that's been put <coughs> in front of him um that's sort of how it plays out in the comic books whether or not they go that route i think it'd be disappointing if they're just like no we're past this this mental asylum thing like you're just back in the fight again i think they didn't live in it long enough or convince us well enough for it to move on that quickly. I mean, it's a real headbanger in the context of like, what the heck's going on. But in terms of storytelling, you're nailing it. Like there needs to be a good guy on the inside. And that appears to be Towerette. They did talk about her in episode one and they had a correct, a, a camera pan shot of the hippopotamus character when he's talking about all the Egyptian gods. So it was foreshadowed. What's your rating of this episode, Jared? In spite of all the flaws, 
It's a six out of six for me. Wow. I, lo- okay. I love this pivot, if nothing else, just because it references, in my opinion, one of the best written comic books of all time. Um, and so for me, it was pure fan service. I was here for this 100%. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sitting at four and a half out of six. I think I'm speaking negatively of it. <laughs> I have the rosiest, like for the record, I have the rosiest colored glasses. Well, and I, this. and see, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'm super grouchy <laughs> sure. because I don't like WandaVision for our first time listeners. And I just am very critical of these Disney Plus shows. So when I see these major events happening that don't have any consequences for the rest of the MCU, which that's the MCU's bit. If something yeah. happens, another thing references it. That's all you got to do. You don't even have to like say it's a big deal to your show or movie. You just got to go, oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah. You got to have somebody watching it in the background. That's that's really what I'm talking about. And this show feels like it's doing a lot of that. And honestly, Jared, like you're nailing it. Like, how are you going to get the rest of this done in two episodes? This feels like if this was an eight episode season, th- this show would be wide open right now to me. We've said this about literally every single one. And I think I we talked about it just a couple minutes ago, but the only the only series, in my opinion, that has pulled it off to a to a very high degree. You know, Hawkeye didn't really do it for us. Uh, WandaVision did not follow up on their promises. The only one that really, really did it in a meaningful way. Uh, was Loki, right? Like Falcon and the Winter Soldier did okay. I, I would give him that. I don't think Falcon and the Winter Soldier had this like grand exit plan though. Right. Like I don't think anybody had this expectation that that would be an exit plan. And even Hawkeye, the only reason we had that perspective was because of the villain at the end. Mo- WandaVision started this whole thing off. Um, and WandaVision also caught us in a weird season where COVID was happening. So all of us were trapped in our homes. So it was that and Tiger King were the two big shows. Yeah, we like, just sat around waiting for and everybody just, just a drip feed of content. Going on and yeah. It was so trippy and the timing of everybody just being invested in it really worked for it. I think Moon Knight is so – where this show is really going to win me over at the end of the day is Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. And really that's all you need. That's all you need in the long haul. You, you really don't need – the rest of the things you and I are talking about, they're tick deck. The last episode, the only reason I give it a lower rating is because I'm like, hey, that's two big incidents in one episode. This episode, I liked it. I just still feel like it's formulaic. Now, there's a chance if they landed in the next two episodes, I'm going to be able to come back to this episode and go, yeah, this was the big turn. I got to really up my rating here. Sure. But I'm still sitting at four and a half. I think I just want to see a Disney Plus show give me a full story arc, deliver on promises it offers me in the first couple episodes, but also – at the end of episode six or eight, depending on how many episodes you have, tease something. Yeah. Tease something. You don't have to be, I, I know we joke, but it's like, oh, Gore's going to come in and kill them. Like, that would be a cool thing. And it doesn't have to be a big scene. It could be a small sure. thing. Connect to these other things. And and I know that's hard, but do your best, Disney. I That's just where I'm at on it. But I'm too much of a curmudgeon on the subject, Jerry. Sure. To talk about, you, you said that like, this was a bit ago, but you had said that uh, you're hoping for like Moon Knight will return in season two. I want to see them announce a movie. I don't think they will. I want to see them say like, we're making a Midnight Suns or whatever the equivalent for the MCU right. will be. Um, I think if they keep doing the TV series stuff for and, and, and lock it into specific characters, then it doesn't feel like this stuff has stakes. Whereas WandaVision despite being a very flawed series and Loki stakes. Yeah. And Loki, Loki had stakes. Yeah. I mean, even, even Hawkeye, I think Hawkeye felt that felt to me like we've had so much history with Clint that that had emotional stakes for me and, and Palm to the sky Falcon and the winter soldier did that. Well, absolutely. They really carried off of, I mean, that's the show that really was set up the best of Endgame. With that ending scene with Steve and Sam, I, I really like, like, I mean, Sam's arc with, with Captain America and the Winter Soldier, that movie, or excuse me, that TV show was doing something completely different. It was making a huge social commentary that yeah. at the time I felt the country was in already. So it was like, all right, it's, it's a dialogue that's worth having. 
So Marvel kind of said, we're going to make a political statement here. That's fine. Whatever. So it didn't have to be that. I think that's kind of why that's the show. I think we set to the side a little bit. We kind of don't, we don't take that judgment on how it ended. The rest of the shows, it appears have set up these things. So like WandaVision set up multiverse stuff. Didn't deliver. Hawkeye set up Kingpin. Didn't did not it did not even close to deliver. In the slightest deliver. <laughs> yeah. On the contrary, I would call it a bounce. And the only reason it really worked was Haley Steinfeld was great, right? Loki was the breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Loki was the because everybody was like, who's that person in the castle? And everybody's like, it's gonna be Loki. Everybody after WandaVision was like, it's it it's not gonna be King. Let's not even don't get your not entertain up. the thought. Let's just We've been hurt, and then it was King. And so now we're back in the box of, okay, anything could happen. We're going on a tangent at the end here. But I, I just – I want to see them close very strong these last two episodes. I, Jared, I got to tell you, big prediction. There's no way. we. I think in the next two weeks we're finding out there's a season two. I know. <laughs> you cannot talk about Jake Lockley properly without ruining this show, I think, at this point. That's like where it's at. Yeah. There is a route that they can take from the comic books that they can pull that sets up a phenomenal season two and gives us the villain for that with, I'm trying to, I'm trying to tiptoe around this just in case it's a possibility. If they go the route of his childhood and what informed him becoming this fractured person, I don't think you can do it. And I definitely don't think you can do it well in two episodes. I hope they avoid it, but um, it is something that they could maybe do in another season. Check out these episodes right now on Disney Plus. They're available to you. <coughs> Man, we're falling apart, brother. We're falling apart. Got the coffees. Hey, if you're still here, would love to encourage you to leave a rating for us on Podchaser or iTunes. We'd love for you to do that. Leave us a five star rating. We will review it on the show. And I have a history of making fun of you if you do it. So hey, right now, one time offer. This is your maximum coupon. Leave a five star review the next week. I won't make fun of you. Ooh, I like this. New no side of you. Nobody yeah, will. No one will. It will not happen. It will not happen. Let's not get our hopes up. <laughs> <coughs> Same time cough. Yeah, Same time we're cough. We're falling apart. <laughs> we're drawing apart. Jared, thank you for coming on and being on this episode. Absolutely. Always a blast to record with you. Yeah, you too, man. And check out Moon Knight. And I uh, love you guys as always, 3000. We will see you guys soon on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, and Discord. And we'll see you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros Podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Infinity Bros. Feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>